It's time for Around the Gridiron with your co-hosts, Marissa Voss and Brock Aker. Welcome to another episode of Around the Gridiron. I am Brock Aker. We're going right into week 10 this week. A lot of teams now, since they had their buys before uh, week nine, have played eight games, which is half the season. So today, we're going to do mid-season awards. Then we'll follow up with three of the biggest games this Sunday and then preview the Monday night football game, which is the Bears and Vikings. And I'll tell you why the Vikings, even though Minnesota doesn't like to get their hopes up, that they should because they have a real possibility of making the playoffs after being one and five. Finally, we'll end with my lock and upset of the week today. There is no Marissa Voss. She got called in. KUIC is doing their Thursday night sports show on Thursday night. Usually it's on Friday night. So she's unable to join us here today. So I'll be writing solo, writing solo, writing solo today. All right, we'll still have some fun here. Going back, let's review now. In our fourth episode of the season, I think it was, we previewed the year. We gave our predictions on a defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, who we had in the playoffs. Now it's time to go back and maybe cringe at some of uh, my bad picks and maybe pat myself on the back on some good picks. So let's get this thing started. Going with the offense of the rookie of the year in preseason, I said C.D. Lamb. Okay, so that did not really work out for me very much. C.D. Lamb obviously actually started pretty good his first couple games. However, with Dak Prescott going down with that dislocated ankle, he just was never – he's not going to put up the numbers with Ben DiNucci or Gil, Garrett Gilbert. So it's safe to say I'm 100% wrong on that. Now, so midseason award, who do I think is going to be – going to win this thing now? I know a lot of people, Joe Burrow is the sexy pick. I think Houston said that at the beginning, and they got to feel pretty good. But I'm actually not going to go with Joe Burrow. I'm going to go with the guy that people thought, what are the Chargers doing at number six? Justin Herbert and Oregon, the spread offense, he wasn't that special at Oregon. They never made it to the playoffs. Well, all of a sudden, Justin Herbert haters are looking very stupid. I know myself, I wasn't that high on him coming into the year. But, oh, my goodness, this guy is absolutely lighting up the league. He started seven games, 17 touchdown passes. That's on pace for over 35 touchdowns in his regular season. That's unheard of, especially for a rookie. What I compare Justin Herbert this year is to how successful Deshaun Watson, his rookie. You got to remember, he was putting up some crazy numbers before he tore his ACL on practice and all of a sudden his rookie of the year went away. Herbert, if he stays healthy, the weapons that he has, he's going to win the rookie of the year. The thing that I'm looking forward to for the Chargers, Anthony Lynn, he's going to be out after the end of the year, right? The way that they're losing all these close games, again, losing to the Raiders this past week, Anthony Lynn's going to leave. How about if they get Kansas City in division, their offensive coordinator, Eric Belemini, to work with Justin Herbert, especially now with the new rules, that if you uh, hire a minority coach, you might be getting some draft picks. Honestly, I take that rule away. I think Eric Bellamy is the number one coach I would want to hire. And 
I think a lot of people will think that way now too. So he might have a lot of options. Well, I think he's going to think the Chargers is a sexy option for him being an offensive guy. You got Justin Herbert, you got Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. You got to remember Justin Herbert hasn't had a run game really with Austin Eckler. Look for him to come back next year. This offense is crazy good. Add that with a good offensive coach like Eric Lemmy. All of a sudden, we're going to be seeing Justin Herbert and Pat Mahomes play each other twice a year, every year for the foreseeable future. For the next 10 to 12 years, how awesome is that? I would not want to be a Raiders or Broncos fan as Mahomes and Herbert's going to be the two teams that I would not want to play year in, year out, and they're going to have to play them twice a year. So good luck, NFC West. All right, going on now to the defense rookie year. I had Chase Young. I'm going to stick with Chase Young here the midseason. He started right away pretty good against the Eagles, one and a half sacks, and then week two against the Cardinals, got another sack. But then he got hurt. He missed the Cleveland game. wasn't really the same, but he came back in week five. Didn't get a sack. Then he had the bye week eight. Then he came out this past week against the Giants, and he got a sack, two QB hits. I think he's going to be in line out for a very strong second half. Just to be honest, there hasn't really been a clear-cut defensive player the rookie of the year. Antoine Winfield Jr., he's been nice. It's kind of hard for a safety to win a defensive player of the year of any award. Uh, so I don't see that happen. Patrick Queen might be in the discussion. He's gotten the two forced fumbles. I remember that touchdown he took back against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. But still, not nothing special yet. I think Chase Young could be in for a big second half. So I'm going to stick with Chase Young as my rookie of the defensive player of the year. All right, moving on to just the defensive player of the year in general. I had T.J. Watt at the beginning of the year. I'm going to stick with him. I know Aaron Donald. A lot of people just love Aaron Donald. He wins this award over and over and over again. T.J. Watt, 24 QB hits. This guy's a stud, and he only has seven sacks this year, I think it is. Yeah, he has seven sacks, 24 QB hits. He's on pace for 48 QB hits. I expect he had 14 and a half sacks when he had 36 QB hits last year. I expect that sack to increase. He hasn't had a forced fumble yet either this year after having eight last year. Down the stretch, remember, he had a sack in like seven of the last eight games last year. He's a guy that just gets stronger as the year goes on. So give me TJ Watt. I'm going to stay pat with that. Because that one, I was actually kind of right on the head. So I'm not going to decipher now. I think Aaron Donald, he's been playing good. But most of his sacks came in that game against the Redskins. He had four sacks. Also, I think Miles Garrett's having a nice year. He kind of got banged up going to the bye. So we'll see how he does coming off that. But he's in contention as well. Now, offensive player of the year. I had Tom Brady. If you told me that last week, I'd be feeling pretty damn good right now. He can be the offensive player of the year. He's, what, second to Q touchdown passes, I think he was going on to last year, last week. Uh, he still has his QB sneak touchdowns as well, a couple of those. His team was projected to make the Super Bowl, but all of a sudden that big loss to the Saints, 38-3, and that was with Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, and still no touchdown passes. Against the Saints defense, that's not been great. Nick Foles threw for two touchdowns just the week prior. 
Justin Herbert on Monday Night Football. Did he have four touchdowns there in 300 yards? This Saints defense isn't wasn't that special going into this past week, but now all of a sudden when they got Davenport back, that Saints defense looks good, but you still expect more out of Tom Brady. I think that performance limits him. He's not going to win Offensive Player of the Year. So now I'm going to switch to Patrick Mahomes as my Offensive Player of the Year. I had him as my MVP, but there is a certain someone up in Seattle that I think might dethrone him here. I'm preluding my MVP midseason pick, but to stick with Patrick Mahomes, he's still been great. Nine games, 25 touchdown passes, two rushing touchdowns. His team's 8-1, phenomenal. However, there's a guy named going on to MVP now. I got Russell Wilson. He's got 28 touchdown passes, one rushing. So Russell already has three more touchdown passes than Mahomes. He's played one less game. Also, when you look at most valuable players, there's some different criteria. But if the Seahawks don't have Russell Wilson, they're not going to win a game this year. Yeah, DK Metcalf's a great receiver. I think he's a top five receiver. Tyler Lockett is good because of Russell Wilson. The running game's not the greatest offense. The line's not great. You take Russell Wilson out, especially in that division, I don't think they won a game. Chiefs, you have all those weapons. I think Patrick Mahomes is a hell of a player. Probably the best quarterback in the league right with Russell. But if he goes down, you saw Matt Moore win a couple games last year. Vikings, who was a playoff team, they played the Packers tough. Like the most valuable player, like even without stats, is Russell Wilson. He's the most important player to his team. And finally this year, he has never gotten a vote, but he's up on pace to throw 56 touchdowns. 56 touchdowns? That is crazy. That's back to the Brady and Manny numbers uh, when they broke their records. So Russell Wilson, keep an eye on that. He's getting close to those guys for the touchdown record. Moving on to the AFC champion. At the beginning of the year, I had the Baltimore Ravens. I had the Pittsburgh Steelers winning the division. However, I said Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs, they don't need to be home. They're only two in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson. Both those games are at home. The home field, even without fans, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But even if there was, what does the Ravens got? A one game and one of the best defenses in the NFL. That carries on the road, right? It's not like Lamar Jackson's going up to the calling out audibles all 59's Mike, 59's Mike, right? 19, right? He is not doing that. He gets the call from Greg Roman, his offensive coordinator. He looks and it's a lot of RPOs, read option coming out on Rich Eisen. He said that the defense is calling out plays for him. Well, duh, because you're, it's very simple, Lamar. You're not throwing the ball outside very well right now. You're either handing it off to J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, or you're going to run it, or you're going to throw it over the middle on an RPO to Mark Andrews. However, I, right there, it doesn't sound like I think I'm going to stick with the Baltimore Ravens, but I think I am, I'm still going to stick with them. I think they can still win their conference. The Chiefs are really good. Well, what happened to Harrison Bucker? He's missing field goals and extra points. That could be big down the stretch. You saw the Panthers drop 30 on them. I still think the offensive line is a liability for Kansas City. I think the Ravens can bring pressure, even though they lost on Monday night. I think they can learn a lot. I'm going to stick with the Ravens. Ronnie Stanley hurts them. Mark Ingham should be back. But I think the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, needs to hit the outside ball. Look for Hollywood Brown. 
the schedule gets much more easier other than this week, the second day they're going against. The most important thing is to get Hollywood Brown and the deep ball going. Those guys, especially against Miami, right away he had a couple deep balls to Hollywood Brown in his first game of his career. And, boy, that opens everything up for the Baltimore Ravens because of what I said that they've been doing here this first half of the season. It's just been RPO, throw it up the middle to Andrews. If you can put the seven, eight guys in the box and have to back them off because they have to respect Hollywood Brown's speed, they have to do that right now, but they don't respect Lamar Jackson hitting them. Lamar Jackson's been terrible. The Ravens are the 32nd-ranked passing team. They need to fix that. That's why they brought Des Bryant in. I think he can be a good possession receiver when you get to the red zone and maybe on some third downs. But you need that deep threat to make the defense honest so you can get that run game back to being very strong and Mark Andrews maybe not being such the focus down the middle. You can take that safety off of Andrews up top if they have to worry about Hollywood Brown. That is the number one important thing for the Ravens is to hit that deep ball. Lamar's got to be accurate because if they can get Hollywood Brown going, that's just going to open everything up. They have the best defense possibly in the NFL right with the Steelers. I still am going to stick with the Baltimore Ravens going to the Super Bowl. Going to the NFC, the last of our midseason picks, preseason we picked, I had the Niners. I thought they would be still hungry because a very young team going to the Super Bowl, I think they probably don't even remember that because it's not that big of a deal that they lost to the Super Bowl because it hasn't been like Nick Bosa has been working his whole career to finally get one and he lost. They're going to be depressed. No, most of those guys were very young. However, the injuries are just mounting up. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas right away got hurt. Richard Sherman got hurt. Then you watch last week's Thursday Night Football where they didn't have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Raheem Oster, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Trent Williams didn't even play in that game. Like, they're all banged up. And Kittle and Garoppolo are done. Nick Bosa is done for the year. The Niners are not going to win the NFC. And I think that's pretty simple. So I was wrong there. I'm going to give me a little bit of petty, you guys. I hope you give me a little petty because of the injuries. However, going forward, I don't want to be stuck in the moment after this past week with the Saints thumping of the Buccaneers. But I'm going to pick the Saints to represent the NFC now. The last three years, the Saints ending their season has been a bitter disappointment against the Vikings, the Minneapolis miracle, heart wrenching right there. Next week, the next year against the Rams, the pass interference controversy. Greg Zerlin hits the game winning field goal, they're done. And then they lose in overtime last year at home in the wild card round against the Vikings. Kyle Rudolph touchdown. They don't see the ball in the playoffs at all, which is kind of ironic because, what, 10, 12 years ago, the, it was the same situation, but the Saints got the ball first and Garrett Hartley hit the game winning field goal. That was before you needed a touchdown. You could, just a field goal would have won the game, and that's what happened. The tables turned a little bit last year, but however, still three straight years, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, heart-wrenching losses. This is the year, though, they're finally going to do it. reason why, they're solid in every facet of the game all of a sudden. Their secondary wasn't very good. I said that. Tom Brady, what's going on? But now they're starting to sure things up back there. Malcolm Jenkins now coming from Philadelphia. I think he's the guy that's calling most of the plays back there with the secondary. I think he's he's never played with Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, right? When he was with the Saints, they weren't there. I think they're getting more commodity in the secondary. 
you add in Quan Alexander, they traded for him. And you have him to go along with Amir Davis, one of the better middle linebackers. Alex Anzalone, he's solid too. And now this past week, you had Marcus Davenport come back. That was influential because Cameron Jordan's a stud, a pro bowler. They've been double teaming Cameron Jordan. He hasn't been as productive because of that. Now with Marcus Davenport, who they traded up to get, remember a couple of years ago, they gave up a first round pick, I think the following year and that year, because they're that high on him. He's going to be a difference. Trey, Trey Hendricks too. Trey Hendrickson too looked good on uh, Sunday night football. That defense, they could be top 10. Now that they're all coherent, they're all healthy again, watch out for that. I don't think it was just because the Buccaneers are bad. I think to watch this week and throughout, I think the Saints defense can get it done. And then Drew Brees, everyone talking about his arm strength. It's just not there anymore. Look at what he did against the Buccaneers. There was 25 mile an hour winds. The hurricane was just ending or beginning. I don't know, it was raining. All these different hurricanes. I don't keep up with them on South Dakota. I don't have to worry about it. That's what was going on. It was raining, wind, and he dropped four touchdown passes against one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC. And now last year, which was big, is the thing that derailed the Saints is pressure up the middle. Mike Zimmer going to that playoff game, they moved to Neil Hunter inside to get the rush right inside on Breeze, hit him right away. Well, you know how you stop that is you run screen passes. And that's what they've been doing with Alvin Kamara. Last year they had Alvin Kamara, but they rushed him back like after one or two weeks with that knee injury that Nick Chubb had this year. And they kept Nick Chubb out for six weeks. Nick Chubb expected to play week 10. The Browns are smart. The Saints were going to make it to the playoffs, even if they sat Kamara last year. I think that was very dumb of them to rush him. And I think that was a big reason, though. The Vikings just didn't respect him like they would this year and how every other team has to respect him. Michael Thomas looked good on Sunday night. He looks like he'll be fine now after all that. But how about Emmanuel Sanders? I talked about on Monday Night Football that Emmanuel Sanders, the first few weeks, this is a tough offense to learn. Sean Payton, you talk about Taysom Hill, all the little delicacies that the Saints offense has, no one's going to pick that up right away, even a veteran like Emmanuel Sanders. But now, a couple of weeks ago, he said he's finally confident in the system. He's getting back from COVID now, too. Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Thomas, Jared Cook is very good. Look at the receivers to go along with Alvin Kamara. Then you add in Jared Cook, a solid veteran tight end. That offense is scary. This, this whole team everywhere is great. Will Lutz, I trust him as a kicker, too, if a game goes down to a kick. The New Orleans Saints, I got them winning the NFC now, and I got them winning the Super Bowl. If you need a bet on a team to win the Super Bowl, I would put my money on the New Orleans Saints. All right. Well, that's the midseason awards that I got for you this week. We'll get some of Marissa's next week when she comes back uh, to us and get some of her takes. I think she had the Vikings when it, going when for the NFC. We'll see if she still uh, thinks that. Hey, they've won a couple straight here. They're three and five after going one and five. We'll preview that. I'll preview that Monday night game here in just a bit. But let's go with the big three for Sunday. The three big games on Sunday. Don't watch the Masters. Don't watch golf. I don't know how you can watch golf over NFL football. So 
stick to football on Sunday, and I'll get you ready for what I think is the three biggest matchups on Sunday. First one, the Rams versus the Seahawks. That's going to be the game of the week on Fox at 325. It's big for the division now, especially with the Cardinals out or losing last week. They have three losses. The Seahawks lost. They have two losses. The Rams have three losses. So this game could decide has major impact on the division. And what everyone is talking about is the Seahawks' worst defense. Historically, one of the worst starts ever in football. Although, Pete Carroll is really good at motivating his guys. I'm sure he's showing all the tape of all these experts just gashing the Seahawks defense saying they're, they're done. No matter how good Russ is, they can't win if their defense doesn't sure it up. Me and Marissa are talking about how that defense is crumbling. The Seahawks are going to just die out. I'm surprised they did it so quickly, but I think that could be good actually this week. I think everyone is hating on the Seahawks. All of a sudden, the Rams are favored. The Rams are favored to beat the Seahawks right now. Vegas has got I think this is actually going to be a low-scoring game. These games usually between Seattle and L.A. are usually always low-scoring. I know that's when they had really good defenses. Now their defenses is kind of when Kaput, the Rams, is actually still very good. But I don't. I just think these divisional games are s- stupid, really. Not that they're fun to watch, but they're unpredictable. So I think this is actually going to be a low-scoring game, but I'm going to trust Russell Wilson. And I'm going to trust of all the haters that Pete Carroll is going to rally his troops, his defense, and the Seahawks are going to get it done. Give me Russell Wilson and the Seahawks winning this game 23-17. to 17. Yes, that low scoring. I just think it's going to be low scoring. These divisional games, they're unpredictable. If you talk about the Thursday night game, that's going to be kicking off here in an hour. The Colts all of a sudden are favored, and they're on the road. They're 5-3. and three. They're they're favored against the six and two Titans. Very weird. But Vegas doesn't even know what divisional games. No, divisional games are impossible to predict. If you're betting, you guys, I don't bet on divisional games because you just don't know. But my gut's telling me Seattle wins in a low-scoring game. All right, the second game I'm keeping my eye on, on Sunday is the Bills versus Cardinals. Again, that NFC West is up for grabs. Everyone's talking about the Bills, about now all of a sudden running away with this AFC East. The week prior, Tua Taigolova looked very good against the Cardinals' upset win. The Dolphins are only a game and a half back of the Bills. I still think the Bills are going to win the division, uh, but don't not so fast. This is a big game for the Bills. They don't want to lose this game. They want to keep that lead and not choke it kind of when this is their finally the year they can win the division. It's kind of hard to finally get over that hump. And right now the Bills don't want to blow it. The Cardinals are actually favored in this game. The over-under is up to 56 points crazy. And that's what I expected to be, a high-scoring game. I bet the over. I think both these teams could score in the 40 points. These, these teams spread it out. They're the number one teams in having four receivers out on a play. Josh Allen and Kyler Murray are just going to keep throwing, keep throwing, keep throwing. I think the Cardinals might get the ground game going. Kenyon Drake's been practiced limited. I don't know if he's going to play, but Chase Edmonds is just as good. I think the Cardinals might run the football a little bit more. But the Cardinals' defense is pretty good against the run. 
I think Josh Allen and the Bills do what they did last week and maybe scratch the run game altogether and just throw it around. I think Cole Beasley could have a big game because you got to think Patrick Peterson's going to be on Diggs. Diggs is still a great player. I think he still does a good job, but I think Cole Beasley and John Brown, John Brown, I guess, revenge game, hashtag revenge game. Just thought of that now going against his old team. Maybe John Brown, you guys need a flex. And you know how I like the revenge game? I would trust John Brown and that what's to be a shootout. That game, I'm going to go with the Bills. I'll explain why here when I do my lock and upset, because that's going to be my upset. All right, the last game I want to highlight on Sunday is what people are taking for granted. I know I'm a Patriots fan, so obviously I'm going to say that Patriots and Ravens are going to be a great game, but I actually think it is. Unless you don't like throwing the football. These two teams are one of the two worst teams at throwing the football because Cam Newton doesn't really have any weapons. Jacoby Myers is getting all the, the credit out in New England. That was against the New York Jets, you guys. Like, I'm a big Patriots guy. I like Myers. But he's not this top 10 receiver that pro football focus has. When they show the starters Sunday night, they're going to have Myers as a top 10 receiver. Don't buy in that hype. It's just against the Jets. I think these two teams are going to run the football a lot. It's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be a playoff-type game. The Patriots' season is on the line. They're 3-5. and five. The interesting thing about the Patriots, these next eight games they got, they're not favored in any of these eight games. Next week they play the Texans in Houston. They're not even favored in that. They're not favored in any game they're playing the rest of the year, which is kind of odd I think the Patriots have a real chance of winning this game if Lawrence Guy plays this week and Bentley plays this week. They need their middle linebacker and Lawrence Guy to come back and be the thumpers. They are really good against the run. They don't have Bentley and Lawrence Guy. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards is going to run all over them. They don't have a chance. But if Lawrence Guy and Bentley play, they're more important to me to play than Stephon Gilmore, who's questionable for this game, because of what we're talking about. Lamar's not good at throwing outside right now. And even Hollywood Brown and Stefan Gilmore is not the quickest. So I'm not that big on if Gilmore plays. Obviously, you want him to play. Um, but I think it's actually more important for the Patriots to get Lawrence Guy and Bentley. If you see those two guys play, watch out. Buckle up. The Patriots could get an upset. But I'm not going to pick them, obviously. I'm going to pick the Ravens. I haven't picked winning the Super Bowl. But I think this game could be a lot uh, more close and more exciting. Like Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, electrifying players. Watch that Sunday night game. I think you're going to enjoy it, especially if Guy and Bentley plays. Then it's going to be a real close game, and anyone can win it. All right. The last game we're going to talk about here is the Monday night football game. Let me get a drink of water right here so I can tell you why the Vikings have a great chance of making the playoffs. Wish we got some commercials here right there so I could take a 20-second water break right here. And you guys can be like, oh, go buy a Snickers. If you guys have any advertisements and you want to advertise the show, we're kind of getting popular. Hey, we're getting 25 to 30 views on this thing. Uh, we're just building it up, I guess, from square one. But if you have any advertising, I guess, hook us up and we'll, we'll give you a shout-out here. All right. Going to the Vikings and Bears. This is maybe the biggest game to affect playoffs because I think the second 
place team in the NFC North is going to make the playoffs. Because these Bears and Vikings don't have too many games that are tough left. What's interesting, though, is the Vikings versus Bears. Mike Zimmer, 0-4 against the Bears since Nagy took the throne in 2018. 0-4. He's not beaten Matt Nagy. However, the Vikings are favored by two and a half points when the game's in Soldier Field in Chicago. That's mind-boggling for me, which is crazy. Yes, Zimmer was 6-2 and two against the Bears before Nagy came, but Nagy's still there. I am surprised that Vegas has the Vikings. But again, divisional games, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I guess you shouldn't be surprised, but I think that's interesting. Now, you take a closer look in the schedule for the Vikings, they're 3-5. and five. The next eight games, they're favored in six of the next eight games. The only game they're not favored is at the Saints and playing against the Buccaneers. Those are the only two games they're not favored in. You got the Bears here twice. You got the Lions again. You got the Panthers. There's some very winnable games for the Vikings. So when you look at that, they're projected to go nine and seven, and they're going to make the playoffs with nine and seven because I do think obviously the Cardinals and the Rams and the Seahawks might beat each other up uh, for that last spot. I think the Buccaneers or Saints are going to get in. So it's really going to be between the Vikings, Bears, and the Rams and Cardinals to fight out for those last two spots. I think the Seahawks are going to win the division. So I think it's going to be between Rams, Cardinals, Vikings, Bears, to get the sixth and seventh spot if you think the Buccaneers are going to get the five spot like I do. So watch for that. That's why this game is huge for the playoffs. I don't think any of these two teams are going to win the division. Packers got it. But when you're looking at the wild card game and you're saying, oh, Nick Foles and the Bears, gross. That game's very influential on the postseason. Watch Delvin Cook. He's gotten over 200 yards of offense and two touchdowns and four touchdowns. This guy's one of the best running backs to play the game. Right now, these last couple of weeks, it's been crazy. This guy's a stud going against a great defense against the Bears. That's going to be a great game to watch Vikings fans. you got to be having your hopes up now that Vegas, when you look at projections, they think you're going to go 9-7, and I think 9-7 gets you into the postseason. Another thing Vikings fans to think about, if you don't win this game against the Bears or the Reliance or the Panthers and the games you got left that you're projected to win, that means you have to beat the Saints or the Buccaneers, one of them. Each game you lose, you'll have to make up against those two tough teams. So if I'm the Vikings, you got to win this game. Same thing with the Bears. If you want to – Nick Foles, you want to have a chance at his playoff magic and get in the playoffs, you got to win this game. Big Monday night football game, you guys. Big night. Tune into it. Awful game to predict. I have no idea. It's hard. I want to say the Vikings, but four no Nagy against Zimmer. How how do you pick against that? I'm not big on Nick Foles, but Kirk Cousins is like you just want to vomit picking between Nick Foles and Kirk Cousins. That's why people might not want to watch this game. It's going to be a great game, still big influential game. I'm going to pick the Vikings. They're the team with all the momentum. I think Mike Zimmer finally gets it done against Matt Nagy. I'm going to pick the Vikings to win 26 to 24 all right let's go to the lock and upset of my lock and upset of the week i actually am going to go back to the well two upsets last week i had two upsets i picked the bills and the colts bills worked out for me the colts 
should have worked out for me that Marcus Peters interception that shouldn't have been interception really turned the game. I think if that doesn't happen, I would have been correct. But I was wrong, you guys. I'll admit it. I was one for one last week when I was picking both upsets. This time, I'm very confident I'll get both of my upsets correct this week. Not even going to take the lock. I'm going to try to gain an extra point by picking two upsets. My first one is the Bills, like I alluded to before. I don't know how you can trust the Cardinals' defense after what they gave up, 34 points to the Dolphins last year. I think two is good. But you just came out and said – this morning, actually, that he's never going to be the player he was in college with that upset. I think he's still going to be a great player, but Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Isecki, Jordan Howard, like, you gave up 34 points of that offense? What are you going to do against Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown, Singletary? They're getting some offensive linemen back, too, for the Bills. The Bills are not going to punt very often on Sunday Give me the Bills to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Last upset is against the Dolphins. I talked about Justin Herbert. I think he and the Chargers finally hold on to a win. That's very bold for me. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm not that confident in this pick. I don't know how you can be confident in the Chargers, but I am. I think Justin Herbert has, like Patrick Mahomes did last year against the Bears, the Bears took Trubisky over him. He had some motivation. Well, the Dolphins took Tua ahead of Herbert. I think everyone, everyone would take Herbert over Tua right now. I think Herbert's going to put it in their face. The Dolphins coming off a big win against Arizona. I think there's going to be a little bit of a letdown on a young team. And I think the Chargers go cross country and they beat the Miami Dolphins. Give me Justin Herbert all day, Keenan Allen. I love that duo. And I think the Chargers finally get it done and hold on. For Anthony Lynn's sake, I hope they do for sure. Uh, Anthony Lynn, a great, great guy. It's just same thing with Dan Quinn. I think those two guys are great people, but they just don't know how to win close games. So I think Anthony Lynn is going to be done at the end of the year. But look for Justin Herbert and the Chargers with Herbert being up, taking his anger out on the Dolphins. The Dolphins maybe have a letdown after a big win. Give me the Chargers to win this week in Miami. Well, that's all I got for you today. A little bit of a faster pace episode just with me. However, I hope you guys got a lot of input, maybe some confidence in uh, some of the games this week if you want to place a bet. And we'll just watch and see if my uh, midseason awards are as bad as my preseason. I had a couple one, TJ Watt, uh, Chase Young, Maybe the Ravens making the AFC. Some of my preseason predictions might come to fruition, but I some of them like the San Francisco 49ers making the Super Bowl and seeding Lamb on an offensive player of the year weren't too great. Hopefully I have better luck this time. Well, guys, thanks again for tuning in to Around the Gridiron. I'm Brock Aker. Come back next week with Marissa Voss and a possible guest, Jeff Turner from 99-1 in Sioux Falls. He might be joining us. So come back. Listen to us talk more football on Around the Gridiron. Have a great weekend, guys.